Hi guys, and welcome back to the latest um, episode of the ASU Sports Business Podcast. Hope everyone's well. Um, of course, we are in a uh, unprecedented times with a different climate with COVID-19. We hope everyone's keeping safe. And as we've mentioned before, adhering to your country's um, rules on, on this pandemic at the moment. But welcome back. Thanks for tuning in. Um, and I'm just going to get straight into it, to be honest with you. Um, today, um, we'll be... I have someone who's very, very knowledgeable on the African sports market. In fact, the pan-African sports market, right? He's studied in the UK, worked for the FA and other big corporations, and now has moved um, over to, well, not just, but he's in Nigeria now, taking his expertise and making big waves over there. So I am glad, and I'm glad, Koye, just correct me if I'm saying your surname wrong, but Koye Sewo Mimo, right? <laughs> <laughs> not a bad, not a bad try. So this is this is a time when you can get some good practice during this isolation <laughs> period. <laughs> but it's uh, to to say it with the with the with, with the Nigerian accent, it's yeah, quite sure. Oh, sure, Mima. I should know this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a there's a silent H in it. Oh, sure. Right. Yeah. I'll set that for next time anyway. <laughs> Um, but <laughs> okay, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, how's everything going? How are you? Yeah, very good. And um, first of all, thank you for having me. It's um, I know we've uh, been trying to get on this podcast for a yeah. while, um, and finally we've made it happen. Um, no better time, obviously, when there is some spare time on our hands. Um, so yeah, no, thank you for having me. Um, all well and good, keeping healthy, um, making sure that one stays structured during this lockdown period. Um, I hope the same is same as for you and uh, and your team. Yep, yep. In fact, saying that it's just different doing um, even these podcasts from home because we do hear like neighbours or I think one of our neighbours using a motorbike. So just excuse that background. <laughs> <laughs> um, no problem. But yeah, just like everyone else, we're adjusting. You know. Um, but yeah, how things? Um, how have you managed to adjust during this period? Um, look, I mean, I think for me. Um, I'd looked at it from a point of view of, look, um, I'm not going to panic. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people are panicking. A lot of people are worried. Um, and I, I think it's it's normal to be feeling that way. Um, but I think it's also an important time for people just to get creative about um, about their skill sets um, and not just feel that they, they can um, only go down one path. Um, there are multiple paths that you can go and, and and now's the time to explore. Yeah. So I've been trying to fill the time with um, reaching out to networks, um, finding out what people are doing in different markets, and then looking at ways of um, collaborating. Um, that's So that's been a lot of my focus and attention, aside from also being a, currently a daddy coach, daddy <laughs> teacher, daddy nanny, <laughs> as, as a lot of parents, uh, I'm sure, are finding themselves. Um, so yeah, no, so it's been an interesting time for sure. No, that's good. That's good to hear. Um, just to let the listeners know, so in this episode, we'll be talking about well, yeah, a holistic approach to the uh, global sports business market, African sports business market, and in particular, um, honing in on Koye's experiences in terms of what he does, um, from corporates to working with athletes, uh, collaboration. But of course, he shall elaborate on that more. But I guess to uh, to kick things off, uh, Koye, um, just to give people a brief background knowledge um, of your of your experience, if they don't know so already. Do you just want to quickly go go through that? Yeah, sure, sure. So, um, I mean, I've been working in sports now for the last uh, fifteen years. Um, primarily, of all my experience has been um, out of um, England, um, which is where I. Start, um, did my um, first degree, my master's, um, and then went straight into the sports um, sector. Uh, started off uh, with Eurosport Television Limited, um, working more around um, advertising and, and broadcasting um, around sporting competitions. Uh, so that was quite a good insight to understand a little bit around the, the media side of sports. 
uh, what brands tend to invest in, what they're looking at, um, in particular when it comes to competition, yeah. to get their return of investments. Um, so it's, it's always a good place to start um, for anybody looking at a sports career. Uh, then shortly after that, um, because that was quite, I mean, that was a, a short-term contract job. So straight out of university, was an opportunity just for myself to dip, dip my toe into a sports uh, sector uh, and then see where it would then take me. Um, fortunately, thereafter, it took me on to the Football Association um, where I was um, working mainly within the um, corporate affairs and customer relations department mm -hmm. um, where a lot of my work was around um, engaging the wider community around football, uh, yeah. particularly the black and ethnic um, minorities, um, trying to understand where the gaps were from a, um, a fan point of view, um, from a coaching point of view, refereeing point of view, why we didn't have enough black and ethnic minorities um, just generally around the game. Um, whereas on the player side, there, were, there was enough talents to be seen but the rest of it um, just didn't seem to balance up. So it was, it was quite interesting just to understand that and, and the reasonings. Um, so I was involved in a lot of focus groups um, in, 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 in a lot of these communities, just getting an understanding from people as to why perhaps they don't um, attend matches. Is it because of racism? Is it because of um, security issues? Um, so it was, it, was, it was always good to understand from from those communities themselves. Um, and, and that then helped us um, form a better sort of marketing campaign um, within the FA as to how to reach black and ethnic minorities and how to also um, make sure that they felt they were part of um, yeah. part of the sport. Um, so that was, it was, it was really, it was really good time working within the FA. It was, uh, I mean, obviously when, when people think about football in England, it's always the FA, they go, knocking on their doors for anything, whether mm -hmm. it's a refereeing decision, whether it's transfer of players. Um, but then people, again, don't understand that they, the FA is like is seen as the governing body of football. So they set the rules, they set the, um, the governance around the sports, whereas you then got the Premier League, who are in charge of the Premier League, Barclays Premier League itself. Uh, you've got the Football League in charge of the championship division and, and the leagues below. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's a, there's, there's a whole structure around um, football when, when, when people get to understand, uh, understand holistically what, what, what is it all about. Um, so I was there for, for three and a half years um, before they're moving on to work for um, McDonald's, um, specifically with Leo Burnett, but um, the account that I managed was... Um, McDonald's um, sponsorship of uh, grassroots football across uh, the UK, um, which was, which again was another very very interesting um, career opportunity for me to keep progressing within sports um, because again I was more involved on both on the agency as well as the brand side, um, understanding exactly what the brand was always looking at um, from from its investment and then how the agency had to plug in. Um, to ensure that that um, spend was was hit in all the right areas, um, specifically for McDonald's, they they had a, a focus around obviously um, grooming um, coaches. So giving those that wanted to become coaches the platform where they could take courses at their local county FAs. Um, so it could be level one, level two, level three courses specifically that they focused on to to, to ensure that we have more coaches within the communities that could then run coaching programs in, in, in schools, in um, out-of-school programs. Um, and then I, I then also um, worked on the FA Community Shield. Um, for those that don't know much about the FA Community Shield, it's, it's always the eye-opener to the, to the football season in, in England, um, where it's the um, Premier League winners against the FA Cup winners. Again, uh, McDonald's were the headline sponsors of that, um, particularly for that um, sponsorship um, uh, McDonald's were was, was seen as I kind of mentioned as the headline sponsors and their focus was really to engage all their stakeholders from grassroots to their franchisees yeah. to um, to all the other um, agencies that they worked with yeah. um, so it was, it, was, it was a real opportunity for them to also demonstrate exactly what they as a brand had been doing in football um, over the years um, relay all their messages of um, 
uh, of training more local coaches, um, investing in, 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 in franchisees that were supporting local football academies. Uh, so that was really, really, um, really interesting. Uh, I then moved on to work for uh, Samsung Electronics. Um, this was during London 2012 Olympics. Um, again, a lot of fantastic opportunity for me. Um, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, for anybody that wants to work in sports, I mean, I always say that, look, if you get a chance to work at the Olympics, take it. It's, um, it's, it's a unique experience, particularly with a brand like Samsung. Um, at the time, they were just launching the Samsung Galaxy S2. Um, oh, wow. And yeah, exactly. So to, to think where we are now with, yeah, uh, yeah, with yeah, Galaxy yeah. 10, <laughs> it, it tells you how far back they've been going with, with the whole <laughs> Galaxy ring. Uh, but yeah, no, so it was a really great opportunity because I got to engage with uh, athletes. I got to engage with uh, journalists, um, with other stakeholders um, during the time. Um, yeah, so as I said, it's, it's a great experience for anybody considering working on a, on a sporting event. Um, Olympics is one that I'd say you've got to have on your on your CV. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's awesome. Whether it's on the brand side, whether it's with the, the rights holder IOC, or whether it's one of the, with the local um, uh, governing bodies uh, or the um, um, Olympic committees, then take that chance. Very, 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 very great experience. Um, then subsequently after that, I moved to Paris for a couple of years to work with Sport5, um, specifically on um, Confederation of African Football, Marketing and Media. Um, so again, I was um, a client, uh, client services uh, role, while I was managing various um, accounts, um, partners of uh, CAF. So again, I was still involved with Samsung, um, but some other brands that I also worked on were Nissan and also Puma. Time. So I was posted out to um, South Africa during AFCON in 2013 uh, to manage those um, sponsors, their activations, ensure that the, the, the sponsors, their activation rights were obviously being met, um, making sure that each location. Was, was, this, was this all um, still whilst you were with Sport 5, right, doing this? Yeah, yes, exactly. So this was specifically under Sport 5. And at this time, was Sport 5 part of Lagadere still? Yes, yes. So, yes. So, for those that don't know, Sport 5 was um, the, the sports arm of Lagadere. Um, and, I mean, more recently, I know that um, they've merged. So, it's no longer Sport 5, but it's, um, I believe it's Lagadere Sports. Um, something. Yeah. So, so they, they had the rights for the longest time to Confederation of African Football. Um, another great experience for me, again, because I already had in mind that... Um, I'd want to go back um, home at some stage to, to, to utilize all my experience. So this, this was kind of like my pathway was already in line with going back to, going back to Nigeria. Um, so yeah, so while working at um, AFCON, I got to obviously build a lot of my network, um, uh, improve um, my understanding of the footballing landscape mm -hmm. within Africa, um, how the sponsors invested, how the, how the stakeholders all work together to, to obviously put the competitions together and what the whole objective of CAF was in terms of football development around Africa. Yeah. Um, thereafter, um, I then moved back to Nigeria. Um, so, I mean, I moved back um, initially. I was um, working at Samsung Electronics as their head of corporate marketing, um, specifically working on the, um, working on, um, um, the sponsorship side of uh, the of Samsung Electronics. Mm -hmm. So at the time, Samsung were actually um, in, in sponsorship with the Nigeria Football Federation. Uh, so my immediate um, duties or obligations were to ensure that that sponsorship um, was was being executed in the manner that Samsung as a brand was was getting the best value for. For, for its investment, um, but, it, but what I found specifically at the time was that um, there were gaps in terms of what sponsorship um, was all about uh, within Nigeria, with, within Nigerian sports, specifically football in, in, in this um, particular instance, um, and that then gave me an eye-opener as to what, the, what problems there were, what, what gaps there were, um, and where I felt my experience could lend itself um, in, in the long run. Um, I mean, a couple of years there um, before I was then 
um, approach by uh, a company called Temple Management, um, who just started off with a vision of um, transforming sports, entertainment, media, and arts um, within not just Nigeria, but um, across Africa. Um, so I went in there um, with a blank sheet of paper, basically, to, to kickstart um, a strategy around sports um, as a business and, and how we can drive it um, from a talent point of view, but also in the long run, um, come down the area of events. Uh, but we needed to understand exactly what um, the talent pipeline was, first of all, when talent surfaced. Um, what is their, what is the pathway for them to get to the professional game? And that's what I had to identify. And my focus was to immediately look at talents across multiple sports, identify them, and look at how we could work around them by creating a 360 structure. And what I meant by that, um, by that is um, the fact that we wanted these talents to see that they had um, a platform where they could thrive. Um, so that was a case of uh, making sure that we identify the right coaching structure for them, um, identify the right academy for them to join, um, ensure that they were obviously still taking um, part in their education, uh, because we always say that, look, um, it's important that education is as part of the growth and development of a, of a sporting talent. Um, what you don't want is a talent that um, becomes a, a top athlete, but then has no form of educational background because that makes them very difficult to to promote um, not only uh, um, them as an athlete but them as an inspiration to, to, to future generations um, so that was a lot of the focus for me was to um, work around talents <clears throat> grow them um, but at the same time also put ourselves in a space where we were a recognized marketing and media agencies for, for federations. Um, and the first one that we partnered up with was, was the Bobsled and Skeleton Federation of Nigeria. <clears throat> um, I mean, that was, that was like, uh, what can I say? It was, um, it was, it was, it was, it was an exciting challenge because it was a federation that had just come about. Um, they didn't have the expertise to, understand exactly how they were going to be able to necessarily draw in um, corporates to support them. Um, and that's where we as a, as a, as a, as a company then had the, the advantage um, to be able to position ourselves um, in, in, in that space. Um, and fast forward, we were able to promote the Federation and, and exactly what their objectives were to, to securing um, some global sponsors such as Under Armour, uh, Beats by Dre, um, Toyota, um, and then a couple of um, Nigeria brands also came on board, um, tier one brands in terms of Access Bank and Nigerian breweries. So that, that kind of set the tone for us. I must say, regarding your um, experience with the, your experience with Bobsled, um, I was actually working on the Olympus at the time for the Winter Olympics in Pyeongchang on the media right side of things. And I followed the journey of the girls through to finish. I think it was a big yeah. milestone for Africa in general, that Winter Olympics. You got Akwasi Frimpong. You had the girls from Nigeria with the bobsled. You had um, skiers from, I think it was Kenya, Ethiopia, athletes from South Africa. So seeing Africa participate, um, a continent that doesn't have, well, winter, Africa is hot, you know, so it's not, winter sport is not a top thing. But to see the stream and the start of that was very encouraging and even on the media right side of things it was very good for us as well yeah no i mean it was as i said for me it was um for for the company at the time it was a milestone um yeah. because what what these ladies had achieved themselves was 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 something phenomenal um in itself um and what we just came into to more or less amplify the work they were doing um through obviously the media um through the corporate side um, and, and, and I think that the story is still being told is the, 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 the journey that they took um, is something that has become historic um, to the point of view that um, there's still conversations being had with media houses about taking it to the big screen, um, publishing companies that want to do autobiographies around the athletes. <clears throat> so a lot of it, a lot of things have spun off from this. Um, and as you've rightly said, it's, um, <clears throat> it's put... Africa on the map because obviously you mentioned the other athletes, um, Akwasi from from Ghana and, and and some other athletes from from Kenya that also participated. But just went to show that 
um, the talent that we have across the continent is not just about what we can do on the track, what we can do on the ring, what we can do in the ring, on grass, but we can also go on ice. <laughs> so we're, they, we're, they're more or less seen as trailblazers and have, and have given hope to, to future athletes that look, there are other sports that they can always consider. Um, yeah, no, so I mean, that, that, was, that's, that was great for me um, and, and, and the company at the time. Um, because it opened doors to a lot of um, brands that also wanted to work with us in, um, on, on sports um, projects and, and, and future athletes as to what, what else could be achieved um, with, with, with some of these athletes. People, some of these brands began to see the opportunity around using sports as a vehicle to communicate their products and services, um, which, I mean, it's still taking time because... The whole idea of sports in Nigeria and, and most parts of Africa is that it's still seen as, as recreational. Um, the parents as well, when, when, when parents speak to their children, um, most of the time it's always around sports as just being for fun. It's never a case of, oh yes, we could see you becoming a top rugby player, a top basketball player. Um, a lot of focus is on education, and rightly so, but, but once you recognize that your son or daughter has a talent in sport, there's definitely all the opportunities around balancing the two, education and sports, and it can work hand in hand. Um, you've just got to make sure that, obviously, there's a clear pathway for the sports side. Education is set in stone um, either way, um, and, and it's just also a case of fundamentally supporting those um, uh, your, your your children to, to going down that route if, if that's their choice. Um, so yeah, no, so where we are now with, with sports generally, I think um, what, what I've recognized in the three year, three and a half years that I was with Temple was that we've got talent in abundance. Yeah. What is just lacking is the proper structured pipeline for those talents to surface and then get the financial backing, get the infrastructure backing, um, and then obviously get the private sector back in. Um, once all of that's in play, then then we'll become world beaters. It's as simple as that. Um, and 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 just to kind of give give you an insight as to where I am now, um, I'm, I've, I've since left Temple. Um, I've uh, set up my own sports consultancy firm um, called KS Management, and very much focused around. Um, individuals, groups, and projects around sports. Um, so that's where a lot of my focus um, and attention is now, and that's what I've been using the time during this isolation period to build um, build through my network of uh, contacts globally. Now, um, <clears throat> sounds great. I just want to um, touch on what you just mentioned regarding having certain things in place to help create a pathway. So you mentioned financial infrastructure, and involvement from, from the private sector. Um, how is that playing out currently right now? I know from example that you mentioned already with Bubstead, some brands began to understand it, but how far do you think it would take before individuals and organizations, if we are to talk about a holistic approach from grassroots up, how long do you think it would take before more people start to see sport as not just a recreation, but an actual pathway to help build an economy, um, yeah, in the nation, so to say? Um, I mean, we're, we're, we're a long way away. I think that there's a lot of work that's being done. Um, yeah. And there are a lot of people with passion, dedication, experience that are trying to build this. Um, but then what you tend to find is that um, the areas that is lacking is, is, is also the government, government side of it. Um, we need government to do their part, which is to ensure that the facilities are um, well-maintained, they are actually of modern standard, where athletes can actually have access, um, schools can have access. Um, so we are still, I mean, if I was to put a time frame on how far down the line we are, I'd probably say give or take another 10 to 15 years before we truly kind of start seeing sports becoming a major, major booster for the economy. I think right now you've got so many agencies doing their own part within sports to grow sports in different ways, whether it's from the talent management side, whether it's from the hospitality side, whether it's from the event side. 
Um, so these are private groups doing it, but then we've got to have the brands coming in and supporting this for a long-term sustainability um, um, direction. And then also obviously for government to also understand that the way it has to work is that they have to create an enabling environment for all these companies to be able to do what needs to be done. Yeah. Um, you know, when you think about the UK, for instance, when you think about why there are a lot of um, sports recreational facilities up and down the country, it's because of the National Lottery. The National Lottery is a fundamental part of development of sports in England. Um, from a chunk of, from a percentage of um, their annual um, profits, a lot of it is redirected into sports, and that has helped grow infrastructure. It's helped maintain infrastructure, and it's allowed all the different um, regions within within the UK to be able to thrive on sports better because everybody then has access in some form, shape, or or way, um, and that's where we need to get to. So we are down. We are still a long way to, away, but it's not that it can't be done. Yeah, exactly. But then we need. Unified efforts. Everybody understanding exactly exactly what long term is all about. It's not a short term because, as I said, when people think about sports in Nigeria, they don't think about it as a business except for transfer of players. Which is why you'll see that everybody up and down the country wants to own a football academy yeah. because they believe that by tomorrow, if they find one young player, they can sell him immediately to a top club in Europe, and boom, they've made their money. But then they don't think about how that investment of what they've made should do in terms of growing more talent, um, improving coach education, getting more coaches to go and train, getting more welfare officers. So, so many things about this that people don't understand. And this is why myself, um, the other people that I'm working with, we're all unified in our efforts to, to make this happen. Yeah, I love that. I, 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 yeah. You've nailed that on the head completely. It's definitely about thinking long term and building something from start to finish. Um, I love that. And <clears throat> there's just there's just so many things to say off the back of that. Um, but one thing that I did want to touch on as well, regarding the whole um, building the ecosystem, how important um, is collaboration to you? The reason why I ask is because we've held a few events over here in London and had discussions about um, the, the development of the African sports market should be from, from Africans and then a few doubts about maybe outside organizations coming in and questioning their real ethics and whatnot. But in terms of you, especially with your new agency, how do you see um, collaboration in terms of how to grow and build something sustainable, as you mentioned? Yeah, I mean, look, I think, I mean, I, I, like, to, I like to play on the word collaborations a lot because I've always believed that... Um, the more, the more the merrier. Um, it's 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 really a case of everybody has expertise in different areas um, when it comes to sports. Um, look, for myself, I've worked holistically in sports. Um, I've gotten a good understanding of media. I've gotten a good understanding of marketing, sponsorship, events, um, talent management. But then I wouldn't necessarily say that, look, I want to be the jack of all trades. No, I'd rather say, look, I'd collaborate with another agency. Um, for instance, I mentioned an agency like Integral, um, who you may have heard of. Um, they, they're renowned for sports marketing and hospitality. Um, so if, some, if a brand came to me and wanted to do anything around um, hospitality within uh, sports, I'd immediately say, look, you know what, I'm not the expert in this but i can refer you to partners of mine in integral that um, would be able to to give you um the 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 actual breakdown of what what you might be looking for um whether it's to acquire tickets for um high net worth individuals or whether it's to do competitions for people to win a chance to fly out to the world cup then integral because they have the rights to FIFA World Cup, they have the rights to AFCON, um, they have the rights to F1, they have the rights to um, World Cup Rugby. So again, as I said, it's, it, collaborations are very important. Um, and I mean, in, in, in this whole lockdown period, one of the things I focused on is quickly um, securing partners that are looking to invest 
or yeah. work around um, sports in Africa. Um, a company that I recently partnered up with was um, Let's Vanquish. Um, their sports marketing based in Spain, but also um, have offices in Italy. And they've already secured the rights to Confederation of African Athletics, which kind of goes to tell you that um, whilst we've got um, experience in Africa, we may not necessarily have all the tools um, to be to immediately be able to sell um, rights um, for African sporting properties, whereas an agency like Let's Vanquish, um, based on their um, um, experiences of having worked with a lot of European um, federations, um, they immediately are able to sell that to an African federation. But then what they recognized is that they needed a partner on ground that had experience um, in, in the same way that they think in terms of strategies to be able to sell properties. Mm -hmm. And that's how we're able to come together and kind of say, you know what, um, they identified experience that I had, um, which was why we were able to, to partner up with. And, and there's, there's some exciting projects that they're already working on. Um, and, and I'm equally excited to, to, to be their agent on the continent. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And, and, and it, it all centers around is exactly what you mentioned earlier on, why, why collaborations might be, might be key. Um, they are key. Um, for for a number of reasons, and and we're 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 making sure that 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 happens for um, African sports to grow yeah. um, in a way that it should. Yeah. What other aspects or attributes do you do you look for in a potential partner? I mean, I mean, for me, it's it's it's. I mean, what what's what's really key in in any sort of partnership or collaboration is um, is both thinking in the same direction it's as simple as that for me and my my direction is always one of um, long term I, I never want to look at the short term because short term is always short-sighted we might miss opportunities that if we don't invest in now in the long term we'll just find that whatever we've decided to to build around sports um the sports structure may not um, manifest in the way that we want to so i always want to think long term with any partners that i that i um that I engage with. Um, I also want to look at um, transparency. I always find that transparency is very important. Um, I never like to kind of keep everything closed. Um, once I once I feel that um, uh, I've met the right partner, I'm, I'm willing, I'm always open to opening all my network of contacts for us to all be able to actually engage with them and, and be able to drive in, in the same direction. So transparency, um, communication um, and as I said long-term thinking for me are, are, are crucial. No that's key um, and touching back on your just your journey from the UK to to Nigeria particularly in Africa can you just explain how you adjusted and the differences in both markets in terms of how the sports business is run and in particular of course cultural um, nuances that maybe you had to adjust to yeah no i think for me um it wasn't um it wasn't smooth sailing as, as one would say um because obviously africa is a completely different environment when it comes to sports there's a lot we don't understand and i think when i when i moved back um i had the mindset and the belief that my experience and what i had learned in europe was the same approach I'd want to take here. Um, and what I found is that I, found I'm, I came up against a lot of resistance in terms of best practices and ways of working. Uh, and I had to quickly kind of learn a different kind of language to, to being able to get into the right um, places, to be able to speak to the right individuals. But at the same time, um, one thing that I always recognize is that um, the expertise and experience I built on um, was what I was bringing back. And I wasn't going to tarnish that for, for anything else. Um, I'd rather keep that same level of consistency um, because I always believe that, I mean, professionalism is key in, in any work, working environment. And I don't want to necessarily come into an environment where it's not the same as I'm used to. Um, and then I feel that I have to completely change. No, I've 
I'd adapt, but I'd also still use that level of professionalism because I also want to be able to educate others as to how it should be done because that is what we're trying to get to. We're not trying to say, let's keep sports at a level where it's just mediocre. We don't want to say we want to have mediocre facilities, mediocre talents, mediocre coaches. No, I want to be able to say, look, the reason why they're top coaches in England or top coaches in different parts of Europe or in America or in Canada is because there's an actual system in place. And that system is allowing people to get information that is valuable to them learning and developing. And that's exactly what I want to see here. I don't want to see a situation whereby you get here and somebody says, oh, no, I'm not sharing the information. It's just got to stay within my environment. And I only want certain people to access it. No, sports is for all. That's that's my, my message. Everybody should be able, entitled to feel that they're associated with it in whatever way he or she wants to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, the, the adapting part of it was, was always an interesting one because, as I said, there are different ways of working. But I always believe that my way of working would eventually – start to play um, a more crucial role in, in, in people understanding um, what professionalism is all about and within this space. Fantastic. Um, thanks for that, um, Koye. This um, has been extremely insightful. But we'll take a short break and then we'll come back and discuss some more and hear some insights from Koye about the African sports market. So I'll see you guys shortly. Hi guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode of African Sports Unified and I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Please do let us know your thoughts. If you have any topics you would like us to discuss or people you want to join us on the podcast, then we'll be keen to know more. Connect with us on social media, AS Unified, across all platforms or simply leave a comment. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of the show. Hi guys and welcome back. Um, I hope you are enjoying this as much as I am. Uh, but yeah, just to get straight back into into it, Koye, um, we previously just mentioned about how you adjusted uh, personally from the transition from, from Europe to, to Africa. And I guess now I need more, um, I don't know, B2B sort of level. In How can Africa and Europe um, learn from each other in terms of to collaborate and work better in a sense yeah I mean I think to be honest with um, we're, we're not um, we're not trying to start things from scratch we, we already recognize um, the best practices that are out there um, and we just need to leverage them um, I think this is where a lot of the federations in particular need to be more forward thinking. Um, Mm. They need to reach out to their counterparts um, across Europe in particular uh, to look at ways of creating strategic partnerships. Um, Look, I mean, for me, if I was, for instance, running the Nigeria Football Federation, um, I'd be looking to partner up with an English FA um, for starters, in particular around coach development um, uh, or coach education um, yeah. because we, we're, we're similar in a lot of ways um, when it comes to the fact that football is most like, is probably our biggest sport. Um, so when you think about that, you want to be able to put yourself, you want to be able to put yourself in a position whereby you're, you're, you have a federation that is structured for a long term. Um, and, and by that, I mean ensuring that you're looking at grassroots. Now, wh- when people say that future of the sports lies within grassroots, I mean, it, it really is a valid saying because talent comes through grassroots. But then what, what, what is it that actually develops that talent? It's the coaches. The talents are an individual or group of individuals that can run, that can kick a ball, that can shoot a ball, whatever. But the coaches are then the ones that recognize the skill sets of that talent and yeah. then need to fine-tune it and tweak it into a program. And that's where we're, we're missing a gap here. Um, and that's why I kind of said, look, the, the federations need to reach out to their counterparts. It's as simple as that. Just look at 
um, your counterparts abroad and look at ways of strategically partnering, looking at exchange programs, having coaches from England come over here, for instance, and run coaching programs, um, have a look at exactly what our coaching coach development um, structure is, and then advise or consult on how it should be improved. Because there's no way it's at the standard it is now that we should be saying that every, for instance, every every school should actually be able to boast a football coach that is qualified or accredited through the Nigeria Football Federation. Yeah. It's a way of creating employment. Um, it's a way of obviously giving people an opportunity to understand that there's sports career as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, these are things that these federations abroad have as, as an advantage over us. And that's where we need to be able to come and say, let, let us let us partner up with them. Let us um, work with them for a long-term solution to um, looking at sports holistically and not just from a from a player development point of view. Yeah, yeah, makes a lot of sense. And so my my following question, based off of that, is <clears throat> I usually ask this to all of my guests because I just find it so fascinating. If there was if you were to implement maybe one thing to help um, improve or create a more holistic African sports business market, uh, what would it be and your reasons behind that? For me, I mean, I'd, I'd be looking to invest heavily around um, sports education. Yeah. Um, and why I say sports education is that you have a lot of people that are working in sports um, but don't necessarily specifically understand it yeah. as a business. Mm-hmm. And that's where the education part comes in. Uh, because when you think about it, if you have a stadium, now a stadium, if, if, you, if, you were, if you were somebody that was experienced in sports and had done a sports management course, or um, um, if you'd done uh, a design course around um, stadiums, then you'll understand that there are revenue streams out of using a stadium. This is something that we don't necessarily understand here. We have a lot of stadiums up and down different parts of Africa, but are they being utilized for multi-purpose reasons where they can generate significant return of investment? Um, when you think about the, the stadiums abroad, a lot of them are uh, leased by brands for considerable period of time and those brands put a significant amount of money down to maintain the facility but then they use it for their own purposes Um, at the same time the federation has been able to generate significant amount of money but again what does it boil down to it boils down to sport education as i said but then at the same time you also have to understand that for sports education to thrive you've got to start looking at um, how courses can be implemented, courses yeah. that can be run within um, within secondary s- schools or colleges, universities, mm-hmm. where those that actually have an interest in sports can start from a, um, from a from a very early, well, not necessarily early age, but a, from a, a young adult age, yeah. to understand what pathway they can take within sports. Because as I kind of said, there's a there's a mindset that sports is just about the athletes. Um, when it comes to Africa, Africa's way, way of thinking. But then when you think about sponsorship, when you think about um, the, the sports marketing, you think about the coaching, you think about the physiotherapists, the nutritionists, sports science, all of that. It's all education at the end of the day. Uh, there are a couple of um, ex-FA um, uh, colleagues that I worked with who have recently launched their own um, agency. Um, and just more recently, I think during this um, isolation period, they um, rolled out um, a sports um, a sports course um, in terms of those that wanted to want to get involved in working in sports. And I think that, that's fantastic. It's something that we definitely need in in Africa. Um, and I'm I've I've already been I'm I'm already glad enough to to say that I've been helping promote the course. Um, off the back of the the relationship I have with them, just knowing that they are ex- experts, experience, um, and what they're trying to give back is to 
to people knowing that there are different ways of getting into sports and it's not just one approach. It's not about, oh, I just want to go and work at a football club. No, there's the governing body. These are their brands that do sports sponsorship, sports marketing. Um, and that's the education side that work that will work um, perfectly for me as I see it as, as an investment point of view. No, I, I had the feeling that you would say that. Uh, many other people have said so as well. And yeah, just elaborate what you said about education is not just it's not just you know young adults in schools, but it's all levels of the profession. You know, you never stop learning and um, harnessing your skills to to do better in your job. Oh no, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, the only thing I wanted to add to that was um, the fact that, I mean, th this is a time that if anybody is serious about um, going down a pathway of career in sports, um, there are so many courses available online for them to, to, to look at yeah. um, and, and, and identify exactly what area it is. Um, and as I said, it's, 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 it's a huge industry. Um, we just need to fine tune it in Africa where people understand the different aspects to it. Yeah, no, makes sense. Well, we're in a pandemic right now and everyone's trying to, is trying to adjust accordingly. And I, I guess for you, especially with your new, your new organization, um, KS Management, how has this um, impacted the current work that you're doing and the athletes that you represent and the brands as well how has it made them i don't know change tactics shift in focus or has this implemented plans that they have for the long term how has this actually impacted you on a day-to-day and how are you managing to adjust in that time um i think i mean it's, it's an interesting one because i mean obviously everything works hand in hand um the athletes the brands, the rights holders, the competitions. Right now, there are no competitions. Um, so the athletes um, that I engage with um, during this period, what I've simply told them to do is one, maintain their level of fitness, um, but also for them to also um, start looking at courses that they can take themselves. Because I always say that, look, after your career, you've got to be thinking what next. Don't just think that, you're going to be kicking a football for the rest of your life. There will come a point where you've got to say, oh, you know what, I'm retiring from sports, but then I want to be able to retire with um, the opportunity of saying, I've also invested a lot of my time in doing a course that has developed these skills that would suddenly me, allow me to do this. So I, I, so I try and educate a lot of them um, around this. Just use your time wisely. Don't just um, sit on Instagram. Don't just sit on social media daily and look at what everybody else is doing. Be creative, um, fill your time wisely, pick up a book, read a book, because even any book that you pick up, you're gonna learn something from it. Um, and learning is an everyday thing. So I, I, I myself, I'm using this time to kind of just look at the landscape of sports, where, where the future is for sports, because it is gonna take a lot of time for things to get back to the way they were. Yeah. I mean, should the lockdown be lifted tomorrow in every part of the world or wherever there is a lockdown. It's not going to be a case of you're going to suddenly see people rushing to buy tickets to go to a football match or go to a tennis competition or go to a basketball arena because there will still be this fear. Um, people are still going to be health conscious. Has this virus really left us or is it still surfacing around? Um, so people are also people are going to be worried, um, and that's the that's the significant impact that it's going to have on sports in terms of um, crowd attendance. Um, the brands, I mean, obviously a lot of brands will have had to pull their sponsorship um, resources, um, cut back on on investing in, in in sports competitions or events until they know exactly where stakeholders, the rights holders. Um, are going with with their competitions. I mean, we've already seen a lot of global sporting events have had to be shifted shifted to next year. Um, and then obviously you think about the impact that has on media rights, broadcast rights. Um, it's It has impacted the industry significantly, but I don't think people are necessarily thinking that um, sports is not gonna thrive again. Of course it will thrive again, uh, because you've seen that in a lot of economies that sports is a big driver. Um, not just from 
the competition side, but what it generates from a merchandise point of view, um, from creating jobs point of view, um, is huge. So things will, will be at a standstill at the moment, but as I kind of say to people is that don't panic. Um, it will get back to where it should be, but it will take a few years as well. So right now it's a case of reaching out to your network of contacts, um, looking at what they're doing, how you can offer the services, how you can um, um, consult for them, uh, because they're going to be looking for forward thinkers. They're going to be looking for creative thinkers. I've got this property now. What can I do with it, knowing that I'm not going to be able to put it in a stadium tomorrow or into an arena tomorrow? What can I do? Do I, do I have to think about virtual? Do I have to think about esports, e-gaming? Those kind of things are going to be coming up. Those are going to be the sub, um, subjects of conversations. Um, so that, that's where, where we are at the present moment. Um, for me, as I said, I'm just reaching out to people on a, on a regular basis, um, understanding exactly what they're doing um, currently. Um, and is there any service that I can offer um, that, um, that can be of use and, and, and of value? Um, and, and that's where I've been able to obviously establish um, some quick wins in, in getting some partnerships because we recognize that sports will thrive again. So we mentioned, well, you, you've spoken briefly about how it's adjusted for you and clients and whatnot and potential opportunities, but the implications of this on a more medium and long-term scale, events will be scheduled till next year. If you talk about sports from an athlete's perspective, potential sponsorships delayed, course of next year, could that eat into the, the budget of the, of the sponsor? Um, if you look at football, transfer season, budgets for brands, which will obviously have a huge knock-on effect as it tri trickles down um, the, the sports pyramid and ecosystem. Yeah, no, I mean, look, I think globally, the, um, the, there's going to be, a, there's definitely going to be a shift um, in the way sports is invested in, um, whether it's from a brand side. Um, and I, I say that more so for at least the next two years. Um, I think it's almost like a reset. Yeah. What you're going to find is that when you think about the, when you think about football and transfers in particular, what you're not going to be hearing of is 200 million euro transfer deals being done. Yeah. Um, you're most, you're, we're, we're, we're almost going to go back to where there was a little bit more sense within football, to be honest, when it comes yeah. to transfer players, <laughs> because it's, it's, it's gotten to a stage where I think the, the values that are being put out there on players is, is becoming ridiculous and, and not necessarily sustainable. So this might be a kind of wake-up call to, to club owners, to, to, the, to the federations. You might start finding that some governing bodies in their own um, region might decide, you know what, we're going to have to put down, um, we're going to have to put down um, transfer uh, limits in terms of valuation. Um, so that, that might come into play. There may be, um, they obviously look at wage caps and things like that. That might have to also come into play until the, until the tide is, um, until the tide becomes to, to, to a gradual, um, let's say, let, let's say to, to a gradual halt. Um, because right now it's a case of everybody's thinking that the moment the transfer window opens, for instance, um, clubs are gonna be trying to buy players. But I think the reality is clubs are going to be trying to make sure that um, internally their structure is sound because you've got to think about the staff that are working there. You've got to think about the players that you already have there in terms of renewal of contracts, et cetera. Excuse me. <coughs> so you'll find that there'll, there'll be a difference in the landscape of football. And I think that will go cut across a lot of sports as well. Um, it, will it will go back to... Um, um, where we are, but I think again we're almost going back to how did it all start? That that's where we are. How did sports marketing? How did sports sponsorship all start? You're going to find people are going to be scrummaging around to start creating partnerships, um, looking at um, cheaper platforms to invest in, um, and that's that's probably going to be for the next two to three years. So. There will be a different strategy for brands, stakeholders, athletes. I mean, endorsements that have been 
probably the biggest thing for a lot of athletes when you look at what athletes make versus what they make off the field of play. Endorsements is a significant chunk of that. And that might be halved. Um, you're already seeing players taking salary cuts to, to help their clubs. Um, and that's, 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 I mean, credit to a lot of these players, credit to the staff, um, because they recognize the fact that if they don't do this, it could be a case of their club could be run down. Um, and, and that's the truth. Um, sacrifices have to be made and um, for, for, for the greater good. And, and that's where we're going. No, that, that makes sense. Um, yeah, unprecedented times. Everyone needs to adjust to it. Um, um, and, and lastly, another question I want to ask is, honing in more on the, on the continent in Africa, in terms of um, trends, I say, in inverted commas, what's actually going on on the, on the continent that's, that's, um, that's sticking out to you? Or maybe potential trends that's happening um, that's going on on the continent that sticks out to you most? I mean, I think just before the pandemic, I mean, obviously, when you think about the continent and sports itself, um, football's just been everything. Um, when it comes to um, broadcasting, when it comes to um, competitions. But just before the pandemic and obviously at the start of the year, I mean, there's been the talk of um, Basketball Africa League, um, which was trending quite a lot. Um, that's That for me is the next bit, big thing um, and could give football a run for its money. Um, it's... It had made such huge strides, um, I think, obviously, because of the fact that the NBA made their announcement to support it. Um, and when you have, obviously, um, um, an entity like the NBA behind um, uh, an asset like Basketball Africa League, then it's, it's going to get a lot of global um, visibility. It's going to get a lot of global attraction. Uh, and, and when you think about the amount of... Um, basketball players that have left the continent to go on to play in the NBA. Um, I mean, Africa has produced huge talent. So it was, it was always right that a Pan-African league um, was going to set up, which would now allow um, uh, fans to be able to travel um, cross-continent, um, experience um, basketball in, in, a, in another country, um, enjoy the whole entertainment um, environment of basketball. But then at the same time, it's, some, it's a league that will be owned by the continent, which was very important. So a lot of our players would now recognize the opportunity to grow on the continent and not immediately feel that um, they've got to look at an escape plan, which is to get out of the continent. I mean, yes, the NBA is still the pinnacle of basketball, and that's where every top player wants to go. But hey, Basketball Africa League is going to give you a stepping stone to, to starting your career. You'll still be seen on the continent. You'll build your fan base here. You'll get corporates behind you. Um, and then eventually, yes, a team um, in the NBA might come knocking. Uh, and I'm sure at some stage there'll be some draft pick system that is, is, is done between Basketball Africa League and the NBA, um, which will serve a, a purpose of some of these talented um, continental players being able to go and their trade over there so yeah so definitely basketball Africa league for me is the was the biggest thing trending up until the pandemic and and hopefully once things are lifted um the the team behind it can can get things moving in the direction that uh, that they were going i mean it will be hard harder now because obviously they were at a stage where they were pitching to to corporates they were out in the media um, and everybody was excited and um, the launch was meant to take place in in march the, the tip off but then um uh, we just i mean the continent just then got dealt the the major blow i mean not just the continent but the uh, the world got dealt this major blow um but yeah no things will will come back um to 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 trend it again with that particular property brilliant um okay that's all that's all i have it's been a an absolute pleasure but of course before we say bye please just let everyone know where they can find you, your website, contact details and whatnot. I, I'd include that at the bottom as well, so people uh, can click there, but just want to say that anyway. Yeah, sure. Um, so, you yeah, know, so 
if you want to stay in touch with me, um, feel free to follow me on my Instagram handle, which is at KSM Comp, which is KSM C-O-M-P. Um, same for my Twitter handle. Um, and then if you want to just find out a little bit more about my, my background, the services that I offer as a company, um, visit my website, which is www.ksmcompany.com. Um, yeah, so I look forward to hearing from you. Um, through my website, you can drop me an email if you want to find out about career in sports. Um, if you're an athlete looking to um, progress from um, a talent phase to, to a professional phase, or if you're already a professional looking for um, management or services, um, feel free to hit me up. Um, and, uh, and the same thing for, for brands and, and, and organizations that are running sports, um, sports competitions or um, looking to create sports strategies, um, feel free to reach out to me. Um, I'd be more than happy to to have a first-hand conversation with you and 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 steer you in the right direction. Brilliant. Well, Koye, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, and to our listeners, thank you once again for tuning in. Um, if there's anything else you want to hear from, look, message Koye directly. If you want us to feature someone else on the podcast, then please do let us know. But in the meantime, thanks for listening and stay safe. Thanks again, Koye. Thank you very much, Gabrielle, and uh, wish everybody uh, safe and healthy days ahead um, and, and look into the world, getting back to what it used to be. Indeed. Take care, guys. Thank you. All right. Take care.